Let's get this W on three. One, two, three. to the W Podcast, hosted by Princess and Love. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of the W Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Princess Streeter. And I have my co-host here. What's up, girl? Hey everybody, it's me, Laureen Irat, uh, up here from New York. So what's happening? Thanks for tuning in. So welcome to the W Podcast. Um, on the surface, it seems like we're just going to be talking about women's basketball, but we're going to be talking about culture. We got girl chat, everything included. So from our perspectives, this is really going to be something special. So I will start by letting Lorraine introduce herself. I want you all to get to know the host today. So Lorraine, tell everybody about yourself, what you do, and what's inspired you to, to connect with me to make this podcast. So I am the founder and editor of beyondthew.com. Um, it's a website that I started in 2014. Uh, basically, my inspiration was I'm a sports fan, but you could kind of say I started as the casual sports fan. So I liked basketball. I was really into it, but I'm not a hardcore stats, X's and O's kind of girl. And I love pop culture. I love music. I love fashion. I love TV. I love everything like that. And I through me following the WNBA, I realized that a lot of players did a lot of really dope things outside of basketball, outside of the court. So a lot of them were entrepreneurs. A lot of them were, some of them were musicians. Some of them, a lot of them are like fashion forward. A lot of them had a bunch of different things that they were doing, but you didn't really know about this information unless you follow them on Instagram or like you like literally know them. And as we know, other sports, um, some you know, they're covered more heavily. So rather than me wait for these larger websites to kind of um, give me the information that I would like to see, I decided to create my own platform and get the, and provide the information that I want to see. Because I know for a fact that there's other fans that are interested in the women just as much as I am in the way in which I was as well. So that's my inspiration behind Beyond the W. And me and you met last year and it was so creepy though because it was so funny because we have our mutual friend shout out to Bianca she was telling me about you she was like this girl her name is uh, Princess I want to introduce you to her because she's really into women's basketball so I'm like okay cool but we never met like she never introduced us so um, NABJ is a conference National Association of Black Journalists they have every year and of course they have a series of different like mixers after each of the full day of events right so Princess comes up to me and we're talking and she's just like, oh my God, like you're the founder of Beyond the W. And I'm like, yeah. And I was looking at her like, what do you know about Beyond the W? Because to me, it's still small. Nobody knows about it. But she was just like, yo, I, I read it all the time. And then I realized that she's the person that Bianca was telling me about. And I was like, oh, now everything comes full circle. So me and her just kept in touch. And a podcast was something that I've always wanted to have. 
I tried to do a solo. I had one episode on SoundCloud that I tried and it was terrible. Because I'm not good with talking alone. I felt stupid. It was stupid, girl. I should delete it. I don't know why I put it out there. I should go <laughs> delete it right now after this. Um, so I realized that it would be great to have somebody else, but it was just finding that other person who's really into the WNBA as much as I am. Um, and Princess hit me up one day and was like, hey, you know, I have an idea for a podcast. I think you'd be great for it. And I'm like, well, look how God works. Yes, I'm down for it. Let's go. And here we are today recording our first episode. So how about you, Princess? Let the world know who Princess Streeter is, because first of all, you know I'm in love with your name. <laughs> I told you that already. I'm in love with your name. So I'll introduce myself. I'm North Carolina, born and raised, uh, put on for my Tar Heels all day. <laughs> National champions. Don't play with us. Don't come for us. Um, but yeah, North Carolina, born and raised, just graduated from college and fresh out. I'm a spring chicken. Um, moved up here to D.C. a few months ago, and I love the area. I went out for Cinco de Mayo last night, and um, I love the D.C. vibe. Uh, definitely excited. I also work uh, at ESPN 980 uh, radio station covering DC sports uh, based out of Maryland. So really trying to find my footing in the game right now. But, you know, excited to bring you all the first episode of this podcast, which is it has been in the making for some time from the time that we met mm -hmm. to our FaceTimes and phone calls, um, like all this conceptual stuff and figuring out what kind of voice that we wanted to have, what kind of news and topics that we wanted to bring to you all. Um, it's been in the making for a while. So starting with episode one to infinity, we are going to bring you the hottest WNBA news, NCAA uh, women's news, um, international women's basketball prep stuff. We're going to just bring you the best. So on that note, Buckle up, everybody. Because <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and dive right into it. We're gonna start from right now. We're in the off season. We are literally on the horizon. What? Not even. I think a week away from opening day for the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Exactly one week away. Um, Yes, exactly one week away. Super exciting. Um, Laureen, I am forever envious of her because she was all up in the mix at this year's WNBA draft, you know, shaking hands, <laughs> the babies and stuff with the WNBA elites. So I'm a little jealous of that, but whatever. You know, I'm not going to hold a grudge against that. It's a long road to get to that point. Trust me. A lot of no's before you get a, you get a yes. A lot of no's first. I got my first note, so I'm expecting to come before I'm mingling with the WNBA elites like you. So we're going to get her perspective on that day, um, you know, her, her time at the draft. But to kick it off, we're going to take it back to college because this year's NCAA tournament was a whirlwind. Okay. We saw UConn go down. Uh, we saw Dawn Staley finally hoist an NCAA trophy. Finally host a trophy. Uh, we talk about Tara uh, Vanderveer, you know, in her time, her success with Stanford, but her stepping down as USA basketball head coach for Dawn mm -hmm. State to arise, as well as the sensation of Morgan William out of Mississippi mm -hmm. State would team up with South Carolina to create an all SEC national championship game. Did you watch the game? I know you watched I it. I did. 
I definitely did. But the only thing that kind of, first of all, shout outs to South Carolina, shout outs to Dawn Staley. I was rooting for them to win from the very beginning. Um, I was actually rooting for them since last year. I mm. wanted UConn Stanford since last year. It didn't happen last year. This year, I was I was so ready to sit down and just root and to watch that kind of matchup. Um, and I remember just being home and I log on to ESPN on um, the app because I watch everything on my iPad or my computer. Um, and I logged on and I saw that UConn was down and I was just like, but it wasn't down by like a point or two. It was like they were down by like a good over 10 points. It was crazy. Yeah. I was like Mississippi State and um, no, no shade to the program. It's a fantastic program. But I was, you know, UConn has been so dominant for such a long time. So it's just like, okay, well, UConn's going to get back up. And then when I tune in the fourth quarter, I'm like, okay, they're not, they might not get back up. Like this is really happening. And then that game ending, like the buzzer beaters is always the most painful loss. Like nothing hurts more than a buzzer beater. Nothing. And I watched that buzzer beater and because I thought it was going to go into overtime. I was like, if she, I didn't even anticipate her having enough time to get a shot up. Honestly, I thought they were going to dribble the ball. I thought they were going to try to make a play, but it just wasn't going to be executed enough time. We we're going to go into overtime. UConn's going to win overtime and then it was going to be South Carolina and Mississippi. So, and then let's talk about Gino's smile at the end. Like he was just like, hmm? wow, that was one hell of a game. Like it was, but I respect Gino because he said it best that a lot of the players on the team were so used to winning, you know, like this is a the first loss for pretty much a majority of his team. Like they hadn't lost in how many seasons? Like what it was 110 game streak or something like that. It was a huge streak. And a lot of the girls just were not accustomed to losing. And this is their first loss. And it's not a loss during a regular season. It's a loss when you're Fine. one step, one game away from, Right, you're one game away from getting that. And I think he handled it pretty gracefully. And I think he did come to the championship game, did he? Actually, yeah, because he was giving Dawn uh, her props. Uh, we can't uh, dismiss Dak Prescott while and out in the stands as well, supporting Mississippi yeah. State uh, women's. He's a rider for that. Because, you know, like we always say, women's basketball doesn't get enough attention. But him just coming out, I mean, it was in Dallas, so he was right up the road. And, uh, you know, showing his love and support and going crazy uh during that time was was awesome so that was dope there and then we just talk about little morgan william because i don't know what was going on with with the last i guess few minutes i guess south carolina was pulling away and maybe you know their coach didn't see morgan william with the but sat her down the majority of the second half right um, and so i guess i guess his justification was with his coaching style was if you're not playing with the right type of attitude you're just not going to play and he wanted to implement that but i don't think that was the right time to do that in a national championship game like i understand putting your foot down and coaching but this is the national championship that you have fought like no one expected you to be here you're the cinderella team what are you doing that's on him you know because uh south carolina like i said took the trophy and like I've been rooting for them as well when Kayla Davis came out of Georgia Tech and Alicia Gray left us at UNC and um they had that year where they had to sit out you know transfer rules I knew when they when they laced up it was going to be something special I knew it so it's a very exciting final four and a South Carolina championship like I said shout out to Kayla Davis Alicia Gray Asia Wilson with a crazy performance I mean almost a triple double in a national championship game Winning it for Elena Coates and, of course, Dawn Staley. 
With that, on a high note, we're going to transition to the 2017 WNBA draft where South Carolina players shined. So, you know what? I'm going to step aside since I, you know, wasn't allowed the <laughs> exclusive access to the WNBA. No, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, Lorraine was there uh, at Samsung, what, 837, the tech mm-hmm. hub in New York City, where the WNBA decided to kind of switch things up and um, have the draft. So give your thoughts about the new location um, and exactly what went down at the draft, the people you met and the things you did. Okay. So as you guys know, previous years, the draft was always at um, the Mohegan Sun Arena, which is where the Connecticut Sun play. Um, I went there last year and although the arena is nice, the setup was beautiful. It, without being disrespectful it's in the it's in the woods like it's in the sticks you know what I mean like it's not around it's close to like I think Hartford maybe but it's not around something like bigger where you can get garner a lot of attention so I was actually very intrigued by having that Samsung 837 when I heard about it because I'm like okay this is Samsung they're at the top of the tech game right now as far as phones go um, when I was reading up on the location, I thought they had like the whole uh, virtual reality simulation part of the of the location. Um, and a good friend of mine actually works for Samsung, and he was telling me about the location too. He thought it was pretty interesting, but he was telling me some of the amenities that they had there. And I was like, "Well, great! You know, virtual reality is something that you're starting to see them try to inf- infuse into sports more." Um, it's in right in New York City, right in Chelsea, um, very busy area of New York City. Uh, right close by to like uh, where the app the big apple store is and it's just like a very very good location so um i got there and i got there a little bit closer to the start because i came from my day job so i had to visit the city and uh, i don't know what fans saw on the other end I don't know what fans saw on television. I don't know what fans saw on apps. I can only go by what I saw. But I don't know if the tech part was, what I was anticipating as far as the utilization of technology, virtual reality, I didn't really see that executed that much. Um, Kelsey Plum went number one. Um, The one complaint that I know that some people had was the players did not have the opportunity to take pictures with the president. So the president was on the first floor where that DJ area was by the pit. She called the first, the name of the first person. Um, Now the players are upstairs with their family members. And as soon as their name is called, they get interviewed by Holly Rowe, who is actually one of the sweetest people in the entire world, by the way. So the players didn't get to have that moment that athletes traditionally have with their commissioners, president, presidents, you know, things like that. So that's one thing that I know some people were not really excited about. But Plum was number one, Elena Coast was number two. Evelyn, I'm sorry, Evelyn, if you ever listen to this episode. Evelyn, Akator. I said Akator. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm lit. All right, I got it right. Evelyn Akator <laughs> apparently was a surprise. A lot of people were not expecting her to get drafted that high. Um, somebody else was supposed to be, everybody anticipated that she would have got drafted at number three. So she kind of like threw everybody off a little bit. Um, Dallas ended up getting three picks in the first round. They got Evelyn, they got Alicia Gray out of uh, South Carolina, and they also got Kayla Davis. 
from South Carolina. Kayla Davis went number 10. Alicia went number four. Uh, San Antonio got both Kelsey Plum and Nia Coffey from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen her play. Like She's like yeah. a mini LeBron. I mean, I, she just st- uh, filled the stat sheet, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Crazy, because um, Northwestern came to UNC. And I mean, at that point, UNC was going through a rebuilding season. So all the pieces were kind of out of whack um, in that way. But Northwestern came in and I think she had like 40 in the first half. She had like 30 or 40 by halftime and like seven assists, uh, nine rebounds. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, and it wasn't just cherry picking stuff either. She was making moves. She was just going off. So I was like, she's like literally a baby LeBron. I've always considered her that way. Um, I can't wait to see her play this season. I can't wait to see everybody play. Um, just to wrap up the top 12, uh, Shatori Walker, Kimbro is at six with Washington. Um, Brittany Sykes is at number seven with the dream. Breonna Jones with Connecticut Sun at number eight. Tori Jankoska uh, is at number nine with the sky. Kayla Davis has said at 10. Sydney Weiss uh, with the sparks at number 11. And Alexis Jones from Baylor got picked at number 12 for the Lynx. So that's a wrap up pretty much of the first round of the first round from the this year's draft. Another really Pleasant surprise at the draft were uh, some of the current players were there, obviously, to support some of the girls. Uh, Morgan Tuck was there. Okay. Uh, Chenea K was there. Imani Boyette was working, actually. She uh, teamed up with Summit Hoops, which was started by Howard Megdol, who is one of the best, busiest. If you want to know what a hustler is in this women's basketball industry, is Howard Megdol. This guy writes for everybody. Like, like yeah. you see his work everywhere. Um, but he started Summit Hoops and uh, brought Imani on board. So she's kind of getting her feet wet with the journalism, with writing. Um, she's a phenomenal writer, actually. And it was cool to see her interview some of her future teammates. It was cool to see her interview some of the draftees, especially since she has played against them long ago when she was in college as well. So that was um, cool. And, of course, there were legends in the building, uh, Miss don't let Lorraine fool you. Her and Imani Boyer are like besties. So I don't know why. She's like, <laughs> you did a great job interviewing and writing. Like they call each other all the time. Who took, who, she took your tracks out or you, what happened? Okay. So <laughs> I got to okay. put y'all on black. You take them out, y'all are best friends. Like. I hung out with Imani Boyer twice. The first time she actually put it on Twitter. So this is not anything crazy she put on twitter hey i'm going to be in new york for a day who wants to hang out with me so i hit her up and i was like hey what's up so we actually i thought she was joking <laughs> she was dead serious she dm me she's just like i'm dead serious and uh we coordinated we met up and just went to dinner and i introduced her to oxtail and some caribbean food and it was like a good time and she was like really really cool and that's another thing about a lot of the women um in the WNBA, which is why i think a lot of media making the mistake of not covering them. These women are so down to earth. They're so cool and they're so accessible. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really like hanging out with any other person. Um, so that was the first time. And then the second time, which was for the draft, she was in town and she just hit me up and was like, hey, would you like to hang out again? And I was like, sure, let's go. And we hung out and yes, yeah, so I helped her with her hair. 
That's so like <laughs> you know what I mean. I helped her with her hair, but um, no, nah, she's really cool. Shout outs to her. I can't wait to see her uh, ball out this season. Who else was there? I'm missing somebody. Another current player was there. Oh, um, Ariel Powers was there also. Oh yeah, from Dallas. And Cheryl Swoops was there. Uh, if I could just breathe the same air as Cheryl Swoops, I feel like you, in the world. Miss Swoops. Let me tell you, you want to know what a classy woman is? That is her. She is just so bossed up. She just commands the space whenever she's in it. She's just like amazing. Dawn Staley was there. There were so many people there. Um, think my overall opinion about the draft. I think this is a good class teams drafted on need you know what i mean so they weren't necessarily trying to go with like the top player or you know they're going they're drafting on based what on what they need right because you didn't really see too much you saw there was a lot of movement during the off season for the existing the players that are already in the league like trades or you know people free agency but it wasn't anything that was too crazy i mean there were a couple of ones and we'll get to those later but um, I think they drafted based on what they need. I think it was a great idea in its inception and definitely should try to find a way to have fans involved. And I, I see why fans weren't allowed because it was a, sm- it was a small space for the amount of pe- people that are going to be there. You got the players, you got their families, you got media, you got Samsung staff, you have WNBA, NBA staff. It, I mean, it, the capacity, I think, was 500 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. It was a small, it was a small space. Got and it. there were, I mean, there were rumors uh, that I heard that they didn't have a venue. Uh-oh, we get into the juicy stuff now. I mean, to be honest, that was not, it's not even a rumor. They didn't confirm the location until, I think, less than 10 days until the draft. That's the right. rumor. That's, something's off there. I don't know if they had a location and maybe it didn't work out. Um, you know what I mean? If they already planned something and let's say something came up or they weren't it wasn't able to be held at the arena anymore i don't know what happened behind closed doors but we'll, we'll figure it out we'll, got- we'll figure it out and just let me know so i could try to be there next year and you're gonna be there next year too next year plan. our plan our original plan will be executed because guys we wanted to record live from the draft that was our vision it I- was it was there it, i was ready and we could have done it. We could have set up our little computers. We could have had the girls come and just say a couple of words on the mic, talk, ask questions. But I don't see why not. I don't see why we can't pitch it for next year for to have a live episode of the W podcast that we can bring to you from the WNBA draft. I don't see why not. So 2018, we're going to be claiming that. So thank you for your firsthand experience of the draft. Um, we learned a lot. Um, and so giving <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for giving us a peek into, you know, what it was like on, on draft night. I bet the energy was crazy. So it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, really good energy. Really excited for the girls. They all, they looked beautiful. They presented themselves very well. Talk about Shatori Walker. Are, uh, um, outfit it was like a white jumpsuit with the cape with it. Did you see that? Listen, let me tell you, let me tell you about Miss Walker. She came in there ready. She was like, oh, I'm ready for my close up. <laughs> hair press the jumper cape duo put together yes um, looking fly so yeah me and her got to talk about that outfit you know she's smaller than me but we'll make something work but uh moving <laughs> on because we are coming off of a very historic season for the WNBA the 20th um 
20th season for of the WNBA and we've, we've looked at so much of its history how much it's changed and now we're going into season 21 mm-hmm. and so let's think about the people that um we lost to retirees um we had Alicia Milton Jones who was the number four pick from 1999 out of the University of Florida who's now coaching at Pepperdine shout out to Miss Milton Jones on that one um you know tamika catchings from the indiana fever out of tennessee the number three draft pick in the 2001 draft swing cash your girl from the new york liberty um has retired and is now pregnant shout out to swin cash canal congratulations swin she's having a boy oh we are so happy for you swin shout out to that number two pick out of the dynasty yukon 2002 um, um, I, I don't even want to say this name right now. Candace Wiggins, Ugh. she retired. Nothing against Candace, but it's just been a lot of, and you know what? We should stop and talk about Candace Wiggins for a second. Mm-hmm. Go park the car here. Yeah, so basically we're talking about the 2016 retirees, but now we're going to shift into Candace Wiggins and the horizon of her memoir, her comments in the offseason saying that 98% of the WNBA is homosexual. Um, saying that she, while she was playing in the WNBA, she was harassed for her heterosexuality, put in the WNBA in a in a negative light, um, just by kind of changing the narrative on the homosexuality and discomfort um, and things like that. Just just her perspective on what she's seen in the league. So from that, I mean, we had Brianna Stewart have comments. We had Candace Parker um, give comments. We pretty much had the whole league. Of course, the president, Lisa Borders, um, had things to say from it. And um, I know, Mia, you talked about this a few months back when it blew up. So from what you can remember, what exactly were your initial emotions uh, and your initial thoughts when the Candace Wiggins comments dropped? Well, at first, when I first read like, the first couple sentences of the article, I was like, oh, right? Because... We don't know what goes on in the locker rooms, right? For the most part, the WNBA is a very positive environment, but maybe there were some kind of issues that she may have had with other players because not everybody is going to get along. It's just the reality of life. Not every player, not every, and everyone's not going to get along 100% with their teammates. They're going to get along on the court for the sake of the team, but maybe there might be some rifts after. So then the more I read into it, and I saw that she was being believed for her homosexuality, for her heterosexuality, that just seemed off because it's usually the other way around. So I was like, well, maybe she'll elaborate more on how, right? Maybe she'll talk about in what ways was she harassed or was she, you know, bullied or what what was it? And then when she said the comments about the league being homosexual, I was like, all right. And I <laughs> laughed. I chuckled because first of all, that's just extremely inaccurate. The league has 144 players. So you mean to tell me that three girls in the league are straight and you're one of them? Okay. Um, that's a lie. Who, who knows how much it is? But even if it, it doesn't even matter how much it is, it could be an all-gay le- uh, all league. It could be a no-gay league. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, these women are women who come every day to the gym, to the locker room. They bust their butt. They're extremely talented, extraordinarily talented at what they do. That's why they got drafted. That's why they come every day and play for their respective cities, their states. They, that's why they go to overseas and play on behalf of the United States. What they do in their private life, who they choose to lay in bed with at night, it just doesn't matter. 
but I think it just disturbed me coming from her. And the reason that it bothered me the most coming from her is because female athletes are not respected. There is still a negative connotation around and a negative stigma around women being homosexual, being gay. Women who are athletes, that's what, you know what I mean? Everyone's always like, oh, they're butches, they're gay, they're, they're this, they're, they're dykes, or all these other derogatory terms. And I, my apologies if I am offending anyone by using these words, but these are the words that are usually, you know, generally used when describing right. female athletes, right? right? And I feel like for her, she knows how hard the WNBA is constantly fighting just to be respected. Forget fighting the stigmas, forget trying, like, for equality. They're just trying to just be respected just because they're just doing what they love. Mm-hmm. And I think her comments were damaging. And I think her comments kind of added to that negative talk. And her comments probably confirmed to those people who had those feelings about the WNBA or whatever, confirmed in their mind that they were right, even though they're dead wrong. In mm-hmm. their mind now, it's like, well, a player is saying that, so I knew I was right, or it must be correct. When it's not. I'm not downplaying her experience. Obviously, she experienced something. You can never tell someone that they didn't experience something and they didn't feel a certain way. Like I said, the, these women fight so hard every day just to be respected. And as you, who are, who was a part of that fabric and of that sisterhood, it's like slap. The, it's like a slap in the face to them. And that's what I didn't like. I felt like it was very disloyal. Howard Megnell said it best: separating personal experience from broader conclusions is a must. So even though you may have had a personal experience where you were the only heterosexual in the locker room um, or, you know, you felt like you were treated differently, you can't tie that into broad conclusions, like you said, for people who are fans and who think, oh, the WNBA just has gay girls at the forefront or the WNBA doesn't have talent. Nobody dunks. Nobody. You know what I'm saying? The the crazy things that people say about, you know, the league that we really do love. Um, And we watch it enough to know that that generalization and that broad conclusion is very much incorrect. For some reason, we're still our society is still obsessed with negative news or negative anything so you have outlets now who don't cover the WNBA who don't come to the games players who don't know these players you know writing about this story covering the story circulating this story and it's like how are you gonna sit there and talk about the WNBA how are you gonna sit and this is not the first time they've done that because these same outlets were the same ones who all were reporting night and day when Brittany Griner and Glory Johnson had their incident. Mm-hmm. You see all this national exposure and it's like, but these girls won a championship and I'll see you talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Tina Charles did some remarkable work with Hopi's Heart Foundation. I'll see you talking about it. These girls honestly were the first ones to really start protesting police brutality before some of these people, some other, you know, the male athletes took a stance against it, but no one's talking about that. But when this girl, you know, when, when Candace said her comments, all of a sudden now everybody's talking about it. And I was just like, I'm not a player. I don't know how the players are, are willing to receive her after this. I don't know if any players have talked to her. I did reach out to her her you know i would love to interview her and talk to her about her comments and how she feels to add context to what she said um i didn't hear back from her and that's fine but 
you know. But I think the league, I loved how all the players stepped up. I love how the Players Association uh, stepped up and everyone just basically said, um, girl, what? It was <laughs> it was crazy. Well, um, for but, Kim, yeah. I mean, a lot of people felt like that took the WNBA a few steps back. Um, but we know... Mm-hmm. And we want to share with you all in ways and how the WNBA is moving forward. And in one of those aspects is through their business ventures. So a way that we're going to start off this is in the off season, the WNBA became the first professional league to offer an application for player safety overseas. It debuted right before the new year. Yes. They, partnered with, they partnered with Live Safe and it reaches, um, it reaches through a multitude of countries, um, depending on where they go. Um, going to the players they can communicate directly with the league and its security team and they can also receive security notifications a lot like how we can receive amber alerts or flood or tornado warnings um, on the iphone the application gives them that live uh, update which is awesome because we know how much the WNBA players depend on their careers overseas um, as well as what they do here in the league they depend a lot on international play so how do you think about the WNBA really being a pioneer and being the first professional league to offer something like this and to understand the importance of, you know, how much time its players spend overseas and the increased, you know, fear of terrorism threat and um, just how important and vital that they are to the brand? I applaud them for that. I thought that was a remarkable service that they offered, um, that they decided to uh, create. And it was actually right on time because right after that, there was that nightclub shooting. Um, I want to say it was in Istanbul. And there were players that were at the nightclub next door. I think Essence Carson was there. A couple of players were actually at the nightclub next door to the one that got shot up. And you know what I mean? Like it's very, we all know right now, globally, especially in that Eastern European region, um, things are a little tumultuous, you know? I don't know exactly what's going on in every single city and every single country but tensions have always been high uh and especially to americans you know what i mean americans are not necessarily embraced in every single country but they probably stick out like a sore thumb like for someone who's native who's turkish who's russian they know who's not one of them right and i mean they stick out because you know they're six three six four so off rip you already know like this girl ain't from around these parts right so (laughs) <laughs> no it's, it's it's very scary and a lot of these women are in positions where they have to play overseas because they have to make a living they make more playing these overseas teams these teams you know want to build their their international basketball program and they're willing to pay the american players that's why a lot of these girls go overseas because they could make six figures overseas even millions of dollars, maybe one, two, three million dollars overseas versus playing in the WNBA, which is a whole nother conversation. We're going to talk about that when the NBA draft comes around and we're talking about these rookie contracts and how their minimum is five million. Okay. Versus, we're going to put that together then because that's definitely something yes. that needs to be talked about. But back to the application. <laughs> um, so, I, so I'm happy that they did that. Um, I hope that there are maybe some other measures that can possibly be put in place. I mean, personally, I hope we get to the point where the players don't have to play overseas. I hope we get to the place where the players choose to play overseas because they want to increase their game. They want to kind of, you know, continue to play to get perfect their craft, but it's not a place where 
you know, their livelihood is the reason why they have to play overseas. But, you know, there are players actually right now who are not at camp. They're still overseas. They're, Candace Parker, I think, is still overseas. You know, they mm-hmm. got to collect back overseas. And they're like, look, while you're doing what you got to do, we respect it. We're going to make sure that you come back to your families uh, safely. And mm-hmm. so that's awesome. WNBA, kudos to you for taking that step forward. It's very necessary with the situations that we mentioned as well. Um, another way that the WNBA has become a pioneer in tech has been awesome. We saw a lot of experiences with the um, NFL Monday Night Football broadcasting live games, as well as the NBA kind of having a little sprinkle here and there. But 20 regular season games per year in this cu- upcoming season, 2018, as well as 2019. If I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop some applause for that. That's Shout awesome. Out to Twitter. Shout out to Twitter. Plus 40 highlight packages per week on the Twitter app. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out to Twitter out at San Francisco teaming up with the NBA and the WNBA to bring women's basketball to one of the biggest platforms in history, live, um, interactive. And then that's a great way to, you know, engage with fans. I mean, what else are you doing except for consumer engagement? But that's a great way to have it on their phones. Because some people are like, I don't even know what channel the WNBA comes on because I'm A, ESPN likes to try to play Yes, ESPN likes to try to play games and broadcast only the the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, people may not just think first thing off is to go find a WNBA game. But now that it's going to be right on your phones, y'all have no excuse. And this isn't for the people who listen. The people who listen, we I understand, you know, y'all came here for a reason, y'all women's basketball fans. But for those who are not, we're going to make fans out of you with this new uh, innovation. And it starts on May 14th. Uh, a little bit um, over a week, starting with the Dallas Wings at the Phoenix Mercury. Um, mm-hmm. So will you be watching via Twitter? I, I mean, come on, 20, 20 games, you got to at least watch 15. You got time. Everybody has time because <laughs> Twitter is something that is easily accessible to yeah. everybody. Um, I know, mm-hmm. you know, if you live in Minnesota and let's say your favorite team is the Liberty, you can't watch a Liberty game unless you have MSG, which is probably probably not offered right. uh, in Minnesota. You know what I mean? Because that's more so in this region uh, of over here. Or unless you have a carrier that might carry it. So that's the thing. Uh, I think one of the issues that I have is like maybe their respective team, they can't watch a game. Or right now, preseason games are, I think I don't think they're on the WNBA app. There is a WNBA app where you can watch games live. Um, it's only $15 or $16 to download for the entire season, which is a steal. Me, which, is, which is a steal. And you could go back and watch the games later if you don't get to watch it. That's how I get to watch a lot of games um, that I miss is I have the app myself, which I have to actually renew. Um, so yeah, I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's good to expand uh, the reach of and be more accessible to fans. You know, like they're lo- they're on their phone, they're scrolling, and the next thing you know, oh, boom, it's right there. And we're very digital. Uh, we're turning into more of a digital society now where people want their content right then and there. They want to just be able to pick up their phone and watch a game versus go home and, you know, sit down and, and, and different things like that. And um, I think it's cool. And another cool thing that... Another cool thing that I learned about is not as it wasn't as advertised as big as Twitter, but apparently FanDuel 
has added the WNBA to his daily fantasy arsenal for the summer. Okay. So this was actually discovered by a writer for a website called Shatter, ShatteredBackboard.com. His name is David Siegel. He was just perusing on FanDuel and noticed in uh, one of the upper right-hand corner, he noticed the WNBA was an option. So he was like, wait, what? So he reached out to a customer service and they wrote, they wrote back to him. And they said, uh, quote, thank you for contacting FanDuel customer support. Yes, we actually are adding the WNBA to our contest offerings this summer. So you'll be able to play during the summer. And this is really, really cool. I've actually always would have loved to do like a fantasy basketball uh, thing with the WNBA. Um, fantasy basketball, we all know is huge. Fantasy football is huge. People make a lot of money off of that. People lose a lot of money during, <laughs> you know, during seasons when it comes to fantasy sports. Um, so to put the WNBA uh, in that conversation, allow us fans to be able to participate in that, I think is really cool. Um, what do you think about it? It's dope. I mean, FanDuel just makes millionaires overnight, to be honest, which is crazy. So I'm like, wow, getting the WNBA involved in that is awesome. Another way to show engagement because people are going to be watching and going to make educated bets based on the act, based on the uh, best team and, you know, go from there. So wasn't FanDuel like banned in a couple states though or something crazy like that? I think they are banned in a few states. That's the only issue. That's the I only hangup. Everybody can't act. Right. It. I have to double check to see if it's still like what's the update with that? Because I know FanDuel uh, has some issues. I think New- the lovely state of New York, because you know we just we're the fun police. I think we're one of the states that may have banned uh, online betting. But what you gonna do? I'll see what happened. How- how you gonna make these millions? If it's banned in New York, you better come down and visit me and try to uh I'll just use somebody's address. <laughs> You're a mess. <laughs> and so they track it back. I don't live in New York and they send my checks over there and then I'll have them send it over to me or something. All right, cool. We're gonna have I a got little, to figure uh, it out. We're gonna have a pyramid scheme for FanDuel for the WM. <laughs> Regardless, we gonna uh we're gonna make this money quick. That's what we're gonna do. Oh, and another so, thing. There's a rumor floating around that the WNBA might be in the next 2K. No, that's not a rumor. That's got to be confirmed because, yes, 2K18. I kind of despise 2K because, you know, usually when I have a man, they ignore me for the 2K. But all I'm saying is I saw saw like an early promo for it and it had in the options, it was like um, old school or like street ball and then it had the WNBA logo up there. So I might have to play a little 2K myself. And the reason I said that too, is not just that, because I think I heard about that, but on Instagram, I came across a photo of, I want to say it was Kelsey Plum and somebody else. And they had on the gear, like that motion sensory gear. Like you ever seen when like basketball players are, or football players, they're in like that green screen and they're kind they have like those motion censored. I've seen it to pick up their movements there were some pictures with them in that so but there has been no official word about what's going on so we'll come with the breaking news on it yes when we find out um we just have so much to talk about with the off season and even going into season 21 so we are going to get to the uh pop culture some events that you have heard about and some that you may have not so we're okay. going to get started on something you definitely have heard about. 
this ridiculous shoe deal or the, no, not even a shoe deal, this ridiculous shoe price of this big baller brand, which is founded by LeVar Ball and is um, supplemented by his three sons, Alonzo, uh, LiAngelo and LaMelo, the Ball brothers. Um, and Lonzo Ball came out with the girl. He came out with the ZO2s retailed at $4.95. These are knockoff Kobe 8s. They look exactly like the old Kobe's because I have a pair in my closet and I promise you they look exactly like them. So they're knockoff Kobe's. And he has a slide for the ZO2s that are valued at, at around 200 A slide. A, a, I'm frustrated. A slide for 200 I have never paid more than $25 for a pair of slides. And you think somebody going to drop 200 My thing is, how are you going to try to sell me $200 summer slides that I can't wear this summer? I have to wait till next summer because they don't drop until November. Bruh. First of all, so you already lost me. First of all, you lost me because they're $220. I, I, t- sneakers cost $220, not a pair of summer slides. Like, anyway, LeVar Ball annoys me. His face annoys me. His teeth annoy me. Everything about him annoys me. I don't like LeVar Ball. Extremely talented. I just have not gotten past their father for me to see that. So I don't really know much about, I don't know how good he's going to be in the league. Um, I already can tell, and I hope if this is the NBA that I know, they're going to really, really test him. They're going to basically destroy him until he can prove that he is what his father says he is. If this is still the same NBA that we all grew up on, right? Um, my issue with the shoe is, uh, LeVar put a post up the other day saying that if you can't buy, if you can't afford the big baller brand, uh, shoe, then you're not a big baller. As a sneaker aficionado, that's the word, right? I said it right? Yes. Lit. All right. Yes, I'm not <laughs> using big words. Yes. Um, as a, as a sneakerhead <laughs> or a growing sneakerhead. I'm not a full-blown sneakerhead yet, but as someone who does love sneakers, um, them things ain't cheap. And a lot of kids who buy Jordans, buy LeBron's, Kobe's, Kyrie's, or any sneaker from anybody, whether it's a Nike shoe, Reebok, or Yeezys are a big one. Out of these kids save their money, their parents buy them the sneakers. And these are people who are working class, middle class folks who are just trying to save up their money to get and to afford these things when they come out. And for you to say that, it's like, wow, like, so who is your target? Is your target the average fan or the kid who really, really, really enjoys watching uh, Lonzo Ball play for UCLA? Or is your target like, quote unquote, big ballers? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't like that. I thought that was whack. I thought that was weak. I thought it was respectful to the common consumer. Thinking that, A, he could do this, you know, on his own, which is which is cool. I mean, we had, um, you know, the the Starburys from Stefan Marbury or whatever, like entrepreneurship, I can support that avenue. But I don't support the, like you said, the, the big baller. And if you can't get with us, you're not a big baller. If you can't afford $500 basketball shoes that look like something else we've already seen before, then you're not a big baller. And it just kind of comes full circle to be everything that we thought their family was. And we just kept saying, oh, LeVar Ball is is the mouthpiece of the 
um, the family, but the boys are humble. You know, let's not drag the boys into this. But now I'm thinking, you know, like they it's starting to be a reflection on the players themselves because um and that's gonna that's gonna hurt draft stock or that's going to follow him around the league as he's trying to submit himself as a decent player i mean people are already saying and the la lakers are pretty much guaranteed to have him and the lakers are in a complete rebuilding situation right now so do you want that type of big baller coming in like you've already solidified yourself as something amazing you know not willing to trust the process and start from the bottom and work your way up you know what i'm saying do they want someone like that or any other team in their organization so that's where we've got to start looking at you know it's, it's more than just an expensive shoe i think with that brand you got to really look at who's behind the brand and what message they're trying to send for someone who hasn't logged in an nba minute yet someone who has not officially put on an nba jersey someone who hasn't gotten their first nba check that's not a good foot to step into the league with. Yeah, all of those. Um, I'm really just over him being in the spotlight or being on a headline every week. I'm really just tired of him right now. And I feel like it's just beginning. Maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but like, is this about you? Is it about your sons? Right. Because think about it. Like LeVar was an athlete. He wasn't obviously some big time athlete. He wasn't a superstar himself. He didn't have that much tenure in his professional career. So, you know, when you hear parents that are living vicariously through their children, so they wanted to play a sport, they wanted to achieve something, they didn't succeed in it or they didn't follow through with it. And then their child ends up having that same talent as them and they're pushing their child more because they're kind of trying to live out their dream through their child. So it's like, is this big ball of brand about your sons? Are you using your sons to live out the dreams and aspirations that you once had for yourself? Like what, who, is this about LeVar or is it about Lonzo, LaMelo and what's the other one? LiAngelo. It comes off like it's about him. And that's why I don't like him. The coming days we'll have more to talk about with the Ball family and the Ball brothers because I feel like the drama- ain't going nowhere just getting started um but a little shout out to other women's leagues because we are here for the girl power the future is female we have women's pro hockey um a league from a year ago actually now two years ago looking to expand um as well as the women's national soccer league really picking up steam what are you thinking about all of this girl magic in the athletic world. Okay, we're going to talk about, I know you don't want to talk about about this, but we're going to talk about your rant today. With you, we have to respect the female <laughs> athlete. My how rant. do you feel that they haven't been respected? And how are you? Because I got to get your perspective on this. Like you are, you put your foot down with this and that's how we're going to end this show because we need people to understand that the female athlete is one of the great is are they're just as great we talk about serena serena williams being a great female black athlete instead of just an excellent athlete instead of just an excellent superb tennis player um as well as her sister venus we always have to put an extra title on it so what do you think about the expansions of this league the respect these women deserve to get for all their hard work and all of their contribution to sports well, first of all, shout outs to the uh, Women's National Soccer League and Hockey Leagues. Um, basically, over the 
past couple of months, they both uh, got what they wanted. Um, the National Hockey League protest uh, boycotted and said, we are not going to play in the World Championships until we get our coins and we get the same accommodations as the men and we get more money. Um, same thing with the Women's Soccer League. And because Women's Soccer League, they actually found a lot of their major players playing for overseas teams. Um mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless they were playing for the U.S. during the Olympic season. So the major victories on both ends, um, most recently the Women's Hockey League that was able to get their raise, they were start, they got the same travel and lodging accommodations. They got um, living stipends. I believe every player uh, in the that league, in the men's league, gets a certain stipend that they uh, – for food and just regular stuff whenever they travel uh, to, during the away games. Mm-hmm. And I think women got the same thing. So they got a lot of what they wanted. Um, there's a lot more to be done, but I think that was a major victory. And the reason I wanted to shout them out is because, you know, in other women's sports um, and just women in general, just being a woman who works, who women who has a dream and a goal outside of what society has traditionally told us to do, um, we have to fight. And sometimes we have to fight in bold ways. We have to be bold. We have to put ourselves out there. And we have to say, listen, we're going to be respected. Um, the ranch he's talking about, long story short, <laughs> um, some I'm part of this group chat. Uh, me and her are actually part of this group chat. And somebody posted a link to somebody's Twitter uh, account. And I clicked on it. And that was the caption. And the video underneath the caption on Twitter was the most recent ad that the WNBA put out where NBA players were talking about why they love the WNBA. So, of course, a lot of the comments underneath were stupid comments, uh, people making jokes, cracking jokes, uh, just stupid stuff. And it made me very annoyed, per usual, because I'm a huge WNBA fan, and I'm a, and, and getting to know some of the players, uh, I felt disrespected on their behalf, but it is what it is. But... There was one person's comment in particular that really made me annoyed. And it it was a woman. It was a woman of color. And she basically was saying that, you know, I hate the WNBA. They need to end it. And apparently she's a sports fan. She's a, a basketball fan or something. It says it in her bio section. And... Um, the more I read on the thread from that video, I noticed that she had put up a hashtag and the WNBA. And that set me off. So my rant basically was about, basically my rant said this, everything isn't for everybody. There are people out there who don't watch sports. I know grown men who do not watch sports at all. It's not their cup of tea. I know men who, I know people who love the NFL, but would never step foot in the NBA arena. I know people who love baseball, but would never step foot in the football field. There are people, I know people who don't like NASCAR. I know people who adore golf. Like everything is not for everybody and that's okay. But I just don't understand everyone's obsession with having to go out their way to make it known that they don't like something. I feel like, and maybe it's because I cover the WNBA. I'm a fan. I'm in this world. I pay attention to this kind of world more. It feels like when it comes to women's anything, and maybe you might be able to like chime in on this too, princess. 
I feel like people go out of their way to disrespect women. Like people like reach to disrespect women. And this is something that I feel like I've experienced my whole life as a woman. And I was like, wow, like if you thought the commercial was stupid, because there were some people who didn't really agree with the commercials. Uh, I want to say ESPN wrote a write on ESPN wrote an article about like, is it effective to have the men vouch for the WNBA? And that's a healthy conversation to have because it's having the men uh, kind of promote or what's the word I'm looking, validate the league. Is that helping? Is it hurting? That's a healthy, honest conversation to have with people having strong opinions on both sides of the table. That's cool. But there's a difference between dis- disagreeing with something and disrespecting something. And when you put a hashtag as a woman saying, end the WNBA, that bothers me. Because I feel like if you don't like something, that's cool. But why would you want somebody to not have a way to, number one, pursue their dream and their passion, and two, to feed their family? As a woman, how are you going to tell somebody else that what they do isn't good enough, is not interesting enough, and that person doesn't deserve to live out their passion and their dream? You know what I mean? As women, I feel like we have to support each other. I may not like what you do. I may not be interested in your line of work. I may not be interested in what you have to offer, but just off rip that you're doing your own thing, just be just off the fact that you're trying to pursue your passion or that you're just trying to make a living and just feed your family. I respect that. And I support you. I may not like what you do. I may not be interested, but I support your grind. Right. And I think that's where it bothers me. My sensitive spot is seeing women's anything. I love seeing women succeed. I love seeing women uh, thrive. I love seeing women be successful. I love seeing women be happy. So it translates to my career and it translates to how I deal with things and how I react to certain things. So when I see that, most people will just scroll past it and say, hey, you know, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. But for me, I was just like, wow, like you're a woman and you're going to create that hashtag. Even if it was joking, it's hurtful. It may be a joke to her because she could just go about her business, but to somebody else who reads that, a young, a little girl who loves basketball will read that or see that or see people's reactions and might not want to engage in it because of how she might be perceived by other people. So that's where my rant came from. It's just all about respect. If you don't have to watch the league, you don't have to watch a sport, but you have to respect people's grind. You got to respect people's passion. You got to respect people's talent. You're going to respect the female athlete us you don't have to support us but you're going to respect us and that's the end of my rant (laughs) first of all i really appreciate you saying all of that because it was so necessary and you may have uh peeped me here but as soon as you mentioned that i went on my phone um and wanted to look up exactly what you were saying and right now i'm sweating i'm so i'm so uh furious but i'm not did I overreact just tell me honestly did i overreact no, i told you i'm sweating i'm furious at this uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I found her twitter instagram twitter instagram found her twitter handle and um where the conversation starts so this is what i'm gonna read for you all because i want there to be more context i'm not gonna read any handles i'm just gonna read the um her tweet. the um tweets yeah so well first of all this is from the i present to you men lying for 30 seconds the video that you mentioned and that's all nba players talking about you know how much they love the WNBA. boom the tweet attached to that is if you have to choose between your local WNBA team winning the year's championship or one single dollar bill would you take now 
this is a poll, Twitter polls where you can pick between two answers. There have been 7,179 votes, eight hours and three minutes left on this poll. And we're going to see the um, response to that. So I'm going to stay away from that page because it's probably going to piss me off even more. But the woman that you're referring to, I found her profile. She said, I'm dead at this. So dead. I hate the WNBA. It needs to, it needs to end ASAP. Somebody replied to her and said, why? In parentheses, serious question. I don't watch sports. She says, dang, you're missing out. But in short, it's freaking trash, B. So um, she said, imagine watching Fast Break so slow, you have time to obtain a doctorate degree while watching, only for it to end in a wide open mislab. She posts a picture of, excuse me, posts a video of Tracy McGrady doing some crazy all-star game dunk, uh, lobbing it up to himself off the backboard and scoring it and says, and validates that one play as a reason to end the WNBA. That's where her hashtag comes in, in the WNBA. I'm not going to take away from anything that you said because what you said was very important and I don't one want- thing she said, One last thing she said. She said, she said, LOL, this is literally welfare. This is welfare. Wow. Yeah, I mean, as a as a woman, as a woman of color, as a supposed sports lover, I would love to have her on this show. You know, I think we should reach out to her because this is a conversation we don't need to just have with ourselves or with our viewers. We need to have these conversations with people who think like this um, and let them know that their thought process is very skewed to disrespect and to hate on the plight of women in sports. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm going to let, I, I'm going to drop the mic on your note because everything that you said was validated. Everything that you said, I, I agree with. Um, and for everyone who may not agree for everyone who wants to continue this conversation, tweet at us. We have a Twitter, the W podcast underscores on Twitter on Instagram. We're just the W podcast. Um, reach out to us because this is something that we need to converse about. This is something that, needs to be ongoing and something that we may have to school a few people on. Here between Laureen and I, we love women's basketball. So like I said, Laureen, thank you for all of your input from the beginning of this episode to now. Um, we're going to keep using this platform to attack the, not attack people, but to attack the negative mindsets that attribute to tweets like this. And you know, the whole purpose, one of the biggest purposes of this podcast is like, you know, there are a lot of times we always hear the negative. And what I found is that there is a community, a large community of people who really do love the W. There are people who love women's basketball or, but there's nowhere to, for them to find information. There are people out there who just love basketball, period. Like, doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. And this is just a place for those of us who love the WNBA, love women's basketball, just come and just kick it and just talk. And we're out here. Princess uh, shared our contact info and our social handles. So reach out to us. Uh, if there's any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know. We're here um, outside of um, the podcast social at Beyond the W on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. We're on YouTube. Just Google, uh, just type in Beyond the W and check out beyondthew.com for all up-to-date news on our amazing ladies in the league. We did it, Princess. Episode one, down in the books. Episode, Episode one. one.
I'm gonna do my social handles. Y'all might have to write these down because they're kind of all over the place. I'll get I'll get something <laughs> uniform in a little bit. Um, Twitter, uh, you can find me at PB Street underscore. And on Instagram, you can find me at Princess B Streeter. Um, yes, Princess is my real name. <laughs> Got to mix it up a little bit there. The Princess B Streeter on Instagram. And like I said, the W Podcast, reach out to us. <laughs> um, we're going to have, we're going to make it interactive and giving the news to you all. But we're also going to have a fresh take. So we really appreciate everyone who supported us. Appreciate letting us rant, but share our love, share our passion get a peek into our friendship, the, the kind of phone calls that me and Laureen have together, the kind of crazy stuff we talk about. You know, thanks for being a part of it. We do. We be, we be throwing shade or we'll, you know, have our hot takes and stuff. And, um, I mean, we have so much to contribute still. Just, we did not. Yes, we did not even scratch the surface. There's so much information. By the time you hear this episode, the, by the time you hear the next episode, the season will have already started. Season mm-hmm. tip off, Next Saturday, May 13th, okay? Uh, the game's on Saturday, May 13th at 3 p.m. Uh, the San Antonio Stars will be in New York facing the Liberty at 5 p.m. on ESPN. This is going to be a national game. It's going to be the Seattle Storm at L.A. And at 7 p.m., the Atlanta Dream are going to be in Connecticut. On Sunday on the 14th, uh, 6 p.m. on Twitter, shout-outs to Twitter once again, the Dallas Wings will be taking on... Uh, the Mercury um, in Phoenix. Uh, the Indiana Fever will be facing the Seattle Storm at 7 p.m. And also at 7 p.m., the Sky will be in Minnesota facing Maya Moore, Simone Augustus, Augustus uh, Lindsey Whalen, that whole machine over in Minnesota. So that is season tip-off weekend. Make sure you tune in and tweet us during the games because we will be watching the games with you guys. We're gonna have a live tweet session. We should do that. We should have a live tweet. Well, I'll be I'll be at the New York game because you know that's where I'm at. So I'll be at the New York game and I'll probably be watching the rest of the games uh through social and through my apps. Um and Sunday. Oh, Sunday's Mother's Day. Sunday the 14th is Mother's Day. Okay. So I may not watch all the games on Mother's Day because <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going out with my fiance's mom for Mother's Day. Shout outs to Bay and shout outs to Future Mom. We're gonna see Aladdin. Oh, that's so sweet. Lorena's about to wow, y'all. All I want to do is be invited to the bridal shower. I could be be a receptionist at the wedding. I don't even got it. Make me the flower girl. I just want to be there. Okay, I just want to be in there. You will be there. You will for sure. I can't wait. But we got a little time though. We got a little time. So yeah, we got a little time. We're gonna we're gonna plan a little more. And I'll uh, I'll get my. I'll get my outfit together, you know, to pop out because all the WNBA elites are going to be there. So, you know. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl. Is it helping me pay for them? They can be there? Sure. They can gladly come. Thank you all again for tuning into the first episode of the W Podcast. For Thank me, Princess Streeter and Laureen Irat. Yes. You can call, guys, call me Low. I like Low. My family calls me Low. My name is so long. Just call me Low. Princess and Low. Princess and Low. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go from there. So from Princess and Low, Low I, we're going to be signing off. Thank you all for tuning in to us. We love you. Keep supporting the W. Keep fighting for 
uh, and keep fighting with the female athletes. And we will be back with you all next week. Bye, guys. Something.